In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father. Be seated him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, for which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death. Thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you do, for to you do I cry all the day. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answered me. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depth of Sheol.
Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continuously be given through all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for this, the 16th Sunday after Trinity, is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there were no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sins to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? And he said to her, 
Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chambers where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God. And that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Here in the Old Testament reading of our Lord. Our epistle lesson for this um, 16th Sunday after Trinity is found in Ephesians chapter 3. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we may ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here is the epistle lesson of our Lord.
the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bearer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. This is the gospel of our Lord. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of life, very God, very God, begotten, being one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for us down from heaven spirit made man was crucified also for us of Pontius Father suffered and was buried the third day he rose again and again with glory to judge both the living and the dead future how to be spoke by the prophets, and I hold an apostolic church, I acknowledge it, and I look for the resurrection, and I like
And now grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be with each and every heart gathered together here again on this another blessed Lord's Day. The portion of Holy Scripture chosen for our meditation this morning is found in our gospel lesson. Again, where it reads in Luke, St. Luke, the seventh chapter, uh, verses 11 through 17. Uh, with the theme to this portion of Holy Scripture, Jesus' loving heart. Jesus' loving heart. Soon after he went to a city called Nan, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came and touched the bearer, 
and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. This morning, I would like to um, ask a question that uh, it may take some of us uh, a little longer uh, to remember than others. Uh, do you remember your high school science class? Uh, I'm almost 60, so I, it took me a minute uh, to reflect back. Um, but I do remember um, one certain class when uh, we learned about magnets. Uh, do you remember how uh, we could not make magnets go together with the same ends, but the opposite ends would attract? I also remember using different kinds of metals to see which ones would be attracted to the magnet. I can also remember the teacher asking us to sprinkle steel filings on a piece of paper. They looked like grains of sands scattered over the paper. Then the teacher asked us to take the paper and place it on the top of the magnet. Then something exciting happened. The steel filings all arranged themselves in a beautiful symmetrical pattern. Every particle on the paper seemed to have found its proper place out of the confusion that the magnet brought together. Our gospel lesson this morning deals um, with this very subject, not the steel filings and the magnets, but Jesus, Christ, and the order he came to bring to our lives, how scattered and jumbled life seems at times. Just like those steel filings on a piece of paper, our lives can be. How can we reconcile joy and sorrow, love and hate, life and death? How can there be any plan to things? We look at life and wonder how we might be able to make sense, of, sense out of it. We look at it all in all of the brokenness around us and we wonder how do we understand it? How do we fit in? How do we live? Often we look at life and see all of the brokenness, all of the tragedy that is around us and we tend to make God the scapegoat for all of the world's misfortune, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanoes, often are seen as signs of God's judgment. Illness, accidents, and death are viewed as being somehow decided by God 
as he plays games with his human family. While it is true that God works in all circumstances, it is not true that God wills and decides all of the individual experiences that makes up our lives. God does not make, God does not snuff out the life of an infant or a small child. He does not create a tragedy that takes the life of a young person who's struggling toward adulthood. He does not decide that a parent will become a victim of cancer and die a slow death, leaving a family in anguish and chaos. He does not decide to inflict a person with a chronic and disabling condition just to test that person's faith. We have no right to blame God for the adversities that comes our way. He does not cause death or suffering, but he works in these things that are part of the human condition of sin to bring goodness. He does not place the cross on our shoulders. Our gospel lesson this morning is about a lady, a widow, who lost her only son. And we need to understand why this is such a tragedy. Uh, Donna Miller writes about this uh, story this way. This story, in this story, death is seen at its worst. It has struck a youth claiming his prey long before the lad had lived out a normal span of years. Death could conceivably be a mercy in the old age, but here death has struck a particularly vicious blow, taking the only son of a widow. Widows in that day were pitiable in any case, for they had no legal right and could not receive any inheritance. They were dependent on their sons or the relatives of their husbands to support or not to support them. The death of her son had left the widow defenseless in a cruel world. With no heir, the family name would be cut off in Israel. Here's the tragedy of humanity at its worst. The widow's tears were an eloquent testimony of the lordship of death. Death had indeed come in a cruel way to this lady. Then noticed out of the chaos, out of the confusion, out of the disorder, Jesus comes. Jesus was traveling with his disciples and he was coming into the city of Nain. He saw the funeral crowd with the mourners leading the way, playing their flutes and cymbals, uttering in a kind of frenzy that swirled cries of grief. He knew she was a widow because there was no other men around, uh, around her, and this was her only son lying on the funeral barrel. So the text says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Jesus was moved to action because he could sense her pain, her despair, 
her loneliness and her utter hopelessness. Jesus was moved to compassion because of his great love, because of his sense of caring for the human family. That is why he acted. Jesus went and touched the bearer and said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. The miracle of life, as important as it is, uh, is not the main point in this story. The point is that God, through Jesus, came to someone in, utter, in the utter moment of hopelessness, and that person, the mother, was given renewed hope. Her life was filled with purpose and meaning as she realized that God cared even for her. She was not alone and not forgotten anymore. We need to look beyond the miracle in this story to the action and heart of Jesus. Notice, the woman didn't ask Jesus. The woman didn't even exhibit faith. Jesus was moved to action because of his love, because he understood the brokenness the utter despair of this woman. Because Jesus understood the brokenness, the utter despair of the woman, he acted. He longed to do something. Because Jesus is the suffering Messiah. Because he was a victim on the cross. Because he suffered and experienced pain and all the sinfulness of creation on the cross. He knows and can feel with us. He can feel all the brokenness, all of the chaos, all of the confusion, and all of the despair in our lives. Jesus can reach into our lives with his hand of compassion as he did with the widow at Nain because his heart still aches. His heart still longs. His heart still feels the pain, the heartache, the utter helplessness of his family. Because Jesus suffered, because he experienced what we have experienced, his heart can reach to us as one who knows and as one who has been there. Jesus feels our brokenness because he has been there. It is like a painter named Joseph Turner. Turner had uh, uh, 123 of his paintings on display at an Ontario art gallery in November, December, and January of 1981 and 82. And in the local newspaper, there was an article concerning one of his paintings. It said, the sellers were fighting for their lives the that night trying to keep their small steamboat from capsizing in the English Channel snowstorm when a stumpy, scruffy old passenger suddenly demanded to be lashed to the mast. He said he wanted to experience the sea's full fury so he could paint it. 
to get him out of their way, they tied him to the crow's nest and he stayed up there for four hours. Tossed by the gale winds and drenched by the snow and freezing salt water. And when he got down, he painted the sea as no other ever had before. Because Jesus on the cross felt the full fury of sinfulness and brokenness that is a part and parcel of our lives, he can come to us and give us a measure of his grace and peace. Life is not a lonely journey that we struggle sometimes desperately to make ourselves. Jesus comes to recharge our spiritual batteries just uh, when we feel them to be dead and incapable of being recharged. We are the most open to feeling the power of God, God's intervention in our lives when we feel the most hopeless and alone. When we are in the thorns of the grief and despair, we want a savior who will come and be with us. Jesus being with us in all that is required, a presence. Joe Bailey in his book, A View from a Hearse says that one of the best contributions we can make to a person going through intense sufferings and loss is our presence without words. Not even a verse of scriptures dumped into the ears of the grieving, he said. Don't try to prove anything to a survivor. An arm around the shoulder, a firm grip of the hand, a kiss, these are the proofs grief needs not logical reasoning. Uh, I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to, to me about God, God's dealings of why it happened, of the hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things that I knew were true. And, uh, and I was unmoved, except to wish that he'd go away. And he finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more. Instead, when I said something, uh, he listened when I said something. He answered briefly, prayed simply, left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. He just sat beside me for an hour or more. That is what we need when we are in the grips of despair and grief. No words, no lecture, no explanation, just a presence. The presence of Christ through another. The presence of Christ through another or the presence of Christ through the spirit, working with our spirit to bring us a measure of his grace. And the closing story speaks about this presence. An elderly man sat on a park bench one afternoon late in the fall. The air was cold, but he had been shopping on his on foot for two hours, aching. He needed to put down his parcels 
and rest a little before heading for home. He was never prone to feel sorry for himself, but he felt a loneliness in the cold burst of wind and the thought of returning to his now empty house uh, did not excite him. He stared at his large round hands as he worked them back and forth between his knees. Suddenly, a small hand, pink and chubby, was placed on top of his. He jerked his head back and said, Hiya, in a bit of a raspy voice. Then he got to his feet, took the child back, took the child by the hand and led it gently back to his mother, who stood smiling just a few paces away. Thank you, the mother said. He has just learned to walk and has to race over and greet everyone. The man smiled, nodded, then lifted his packages and started for home. The aches was gone now. So was the loneliness. The memories of a chubby hand and a grinning face warmed his. And just a few moments before, he had no idea of how close he was to this particular experience of joy. And I pray now that the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
morning. We are um, now down to our announcements. Announcements on this day. Uh, we have one special announcement with our um, giving. Uh, I talked with a young lady earlier. If you could remind us again about the is it a box in the back? Help me out. Okay, thank you. Uh, any other uh, special announcement we have? Are they all printed in our worship uh, bulletin? Uh, Again, I would like to thank you all for um, inviting me back to uh, um, help out during the absence of Pastor Parsons. And uh, we pray that um, all is going well with, with him and, uh, and that the Lord bless, bless him during his um, time away uh, from us and that he will continue to bless each and every uh, family here and that you all will continue in the work that the, the Lord has called us all into. Again, thank you all, uh, and um, Lord, we'll, uh, we'll see you back on next Sunday. Um, if there's um, no other special announcement, we will um, have our prayer for the church at this time. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the church of Christ and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer their Offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, and for all pastors and teachers and all the people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislatures, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office. Let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who in need and distress, for the homebound and infirm. Let us Pray to the Lord. And we pray also for our sick and shut-ins, Bob, Jackie, and Doris. Lord, in your mercy. 
for those recovering from illnesses. Eddie, Normal, Kim, Suzette, Sandra, and Bill. Lord, in your mercy. For those undergoing treatments, Hunter, Chris, Gail, Thers, Marion, Clayton, Midrit, James, George, Larry, Earl, Suzette, uh, Reverend Bob, Mallory, Mark, Hank, Sandy, Megan, Isaac, Marilyn, Lord, in your mercy. For those battling illnesses, Martha, Patty, Cecil, Michelle, Carl, Karen, Jimmy, Tina, Ashley, Kevin, Ron, Mary, Ellen, Bryant, Natalie, Thelma, Jesse, Ralph, Theo, Doug, Fallon, Kobe, Jamie, Andrew, Francis, Lord, in your mercy. As we pray also for those of uh, the families who mourn, um, the Whitfield, the Jestrin Shulger, I murdered that one, Johnson's, Bird, Givens, Miles, Ellis, Smith, Overy, Lord, in your mercy, for those in the military service, uh, Riley, uh, Paul Turner, Paul Clark, Hayden, Mike, Lord, in your mercy. Those of our university students, uh, Colleen, Noah, Harrison, John, Kaylee, Dylan, Audrey, Dalen, Sarah, Olivia, Jason, Jacob, Minnie, Thomas, Aiden, Lord, in your mercy. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith, and rejoicing to share with them in the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. And 